moving into uh, chapter 6 of Romans. We're, we're going to go through the whole chapter. We're going to read some big chunks together. Um, it really, he, 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 he makes a point. He, uh, Paul, in writing his letter to the Romans, he makes, he makes a point. He gives uh, kind of an example of the point, and then he breaks it down, and then he gives another example. And so it's, it's a little bit repetitive. You're going to hear, you're going to hear some of the same things over and over again, but, but it's, it's, it's central. It's crucial. This is the, I mean, so many of the things that we've been reading are like core pieces of what it means to be a Christian. And so, uh, we're, we're digging into, to more of that today. So, a uh, brief kind of recap of, of where we were last week, um, is that we talked about two men. Uh, we talked about their choices. We talked about how those choices had actions that were the two most impactful choices or actions that happened in the course of human history. Uh, one was Adam's choice to sin, and the second was Jesus' decision to free us from the penalty of sin and death by paying that penalty on the cross in our place. Now, Adam's sin, I said Jesus had to die because Adam's sin resulted in us being born spiritually dead. We talked about that last week, that we were born spiritually dead and we were born with a body that was destined to die it, we, it's going to degrade. It's going to fall apart. That wasn't God's original plan. Death wasn't part of it. We were going to be connected with the author of life. On our own, we had no hope of evading the penalty of Adam's sin. We had no power to avoid making the same mistake that he did, disobeying God, sinning against him. Now, I, I add the word sinning against him. It, sometimes it seems to flow Better, or it's easier just to say that he made a mistake or disobeyed God. But the problem is, is that not every mistake is a sin. Like I can mistakenly call somebody the wrong name, but that that's not a sin. That's just a mistake. But every sin is serious. Not every mistake is serious, but every sin is serious. It's significant. Sin is always significant. Sin always grieves God and it always carries a penalty with it. I'd hope that there's no real penalty if I accidentally say your name wrong. Um, maybe. <laughs> understandable. Um, uh, one, of our, one of our verses from Romans Road uh, that we, we'd been practicing over the course of this study was Romans 6.23, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wage of sin is death. It's death. It doesn't, it doesn't get any more significant than that. Sin equals death. The penalty makes the significance of sin clear. Now, when I was young, I used to uh, drive a little fast sometimes. Truthfully, I used to drive a lot fast a lot of the time. <laughs> In fact, uh, during my first couple of years of driving, I got pulled over a lot. And, um, and uh, I actually have a, I have a memorabilia box at home. I haven't put anything in it for a long time, but, but I have in there, I, I believe, every warning, every seatbelt ticket, every speeding ticket that I got over the course of those three years. And I say every because it, it's a stack of them. I, I can't remember how many, but I believe it was more than 20. It was, it was a lot. Um, now, I don't know exactly why, but over this course of time, for, for whatever reason, I got a lot of warnings or seatbelt tickets instead of speeding tickets. And um, 
I kind of came up with a theory that that the the cop kind of liked the idea of giving a seatbelt ticket. If you know, like, is is it his way of giving you a break but still giving you a ticket? So I kind of started to think that if I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, I'd be less likely to get a speeding ticket because he could he could still give me a ticket for something, and and so instead of <laughs> in, instead of you know. If that's what they were trying to do, it just it didn't work very well because um, in the, the seatbelt ticket only cost like ten bucks, so it didn't really matter that much to me, and uh, and I didn't really appreciate the grace that they were showing me, and so rather than it causing me to want to turn away from speeding, it I kind of leaned into it actually. Sometimes choosing not to wear a seatbelt, thinking that if I got pulled over, I wouldn't get in as much trouble. And so I, I know it's dumb. Okay, I know it's dumb. We've we've all come up with bad reasons for doing stupid things. And so I'm not alone. Just uh, <laughs> remember to take the log out of your own eye first. Besides, I don't do it anymore. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Isaac, if I, I'm just, don't hold it against me if you, if you happen to see me driving through your area. Um, all right, so, had the seatbelt ticket had a higher penalty. If, if the seatbelt ticket would have cost me $500, I would have worn my seatbelt all of the time. I would have... Uh, that extreme penalty would have caused me to take wearing my seatbelt seriously. Now, why do I bring this up? Because sometimes after receiving the gospel message and putting our faith in Christ, and, and then we get to live in the state of grace that we talked about last week, that, that our, our sins are covered, that we can kind of forget that the penalty of sin was death. It was death. We, we think, well, now there's no penalty for sin. But the penalty of sin was death. Jesus died a horrific death so that we could be made alive in him. So how could we forget how serious sin is? We have to remember that God hates it, that it's, it's serious. Um, so just prior to the part of Paul's letter uh, to the Romans that we're going to focus on today, he thoroughly illustrates this free gift of grace that we have, this free gift of salvation and the grace that he offers. In, in fact, um, in fact, he, well, actually, I want to get to that in a minute. Um, but it's, it's this free gift of grace that was brought on by one man, Jesus Christ. He was, he was born of the Spirit, so he wasn't under the curse of Adam, and he was able to reverse the curse. He was able to offer his life as a perfect sacrifice so that we could then be free. And through his death, we were able to be freed from the, the penalty of death that came through Adam. Um, the last verses in chapter 5 said, uh, this is Romans uh, five twenty through 21, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we read there that grace abounded much more. Um, and so if grace abounds and if Christ's payment for sin is so great that we can't out-sin it, that we can't accrue more than, than what, what he paid, does that mean that from here on out, all sin is free of charge. 
Now, that's the line of thinking that Paul is, wants to address because that might be the way some people might, might look at it. And so he wants to address that as we, as we go into Romans 1, uh, Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. So remember, there's no chapters when he wrote this letter. So this is all flowing together. So he, he said, grace abounds, but, but wait a second here. That, that doesn't mean that, uh, that we should think this, that, uh, well then, should we keep on sinning so that grace can show us more and more of, so, so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Of course not. So he wants to cut that idea off at the pass. In chapter 5, Jesus' victory over sin and death, we see that, the, that this gift is called, um, or this, this grace that is shown, this, this freedom from sin and death is called a gift and a free gift five times in the course of three verses. So if you're like me and you like free stuff and you hear that it's free, you, you might want to take full advantage of it. It's, it's like going to a buffet. Once you pay the price, you think, you know, I, if I eat four plates, I get my money's worth better, right? You know, until, until you go to leave and you feel horrible and you, you find out that maybe, maybe just because it was free didn't mean it was good for you. And so uh, the, just because it's paid for doesn't mean it's good for you. And there's another flaw in this analogy is that food is good. You need food, but sin doesn't have any value to it. So the payment that was paid for sin was not paid for the enjoyment of sin. It was a penalty. It was a fine. The wages of sin is the natural and spiritual result of being unholy, separated from a holy God. God is holy. We're unholy. He's the author of life. He's, he's the source of life. Holy can't mix with holy, just like you can't add dirty water to clean water and still have clean water. So God is, we're separated from the source of life. So the wages of sin is the natural and spiritual result of our unholiness. So Paul poses this question, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And then he answers this and he says, of course not. We can tell by the penalty that sin is serious. It's not an expensive luxury. It's a costly mistake. We can't just focus on grace. We have to remember the cost. If we only look at grace and not at the price paid to make it available to us, we may find ourselves approaching life like sin is an open buffet rather than living a life that's a reflection of the price that was paid as a penalty for it. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 2 and 3, moving forward to the next chapters, uh, he said, of course not. He said, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? So it says in there, it says, uh, have you forgotten? Now, some translations say, don't you know, or are you unaware? But in the context of this, and the fact that he was so quick to say, of course you shouldn't, like you should know better, of course you shouldn't. And he's talking to believers here. So it, it kind of seems like maybe he's, in, he's implying, like, how could you not know? Like, how could you not know that, that you shouldn't keep on sinning? If you're a believer, you should understand what it means to be a believer. Like the, he, he talks about baptism, that we are joined with Christ in baptism. The, the picture of the baptism shows us 
that, that we shouldn't keep on sinning. And so if you're a believer, like how could you not know? And, uh, and we're going to dig into to baptism quite a bit today. If you are a believer, uh, understanding baptism is central. So baptism is a, is a central um, part of our faith. It is a, it's a public declaration of our new identity as followers of Christ. So that's part of it. Part of it is our, our, our connecting together with each other um, under the same banner of Christ, that we're identifying as Christ, that he's now Lord of our life. And the act of submersion and being lifted out of the water is a reminder that of what Jesus does in us when we're joined with him. So what, what happens in the water is a representation of what Jesus did and what he did in us when we join in him. And we're going to get into that. I say, we'll, we'll dig in deeper in a minute. God gave us the command to be baptized to help us understand this. So it's not just a, a suggestion, but, but he says that we should believe and be baptized. There's something that happens in baptism. There, there, there's, there's an importance to it. There's a significance to baptism that, that, that illustrates to us and, and, and through that understanding, that, that deeper understanding that happens in baptism, God instills in us uh, uh, an increased measure of faith and, and oftentimes outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But baptism illustrates the work that he's done in us. And it's a reminder also when we, we saw this uh, in one of our last, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, I shared some verses from Colossians that talked about um, how it connected baptism with circumcision and how circumcision was the, the, the sign of the covenant that was made in the Old Testament and baptism is a sign of the covenant that we have with Christ, that, that, that baptism kind of replaced circumcision as being a, a, a sign of the covenant that we've made with him. So the first thing that we'll see that Paul reminds us of uh, in case we've forgotten it, about baptism is that we're joined with Christ in baptism. We're joined with Christ in baptism. Jesus' death and resurrection did not just accomplish something that, that we can receive apart from him. Um, it's only in relationship with him that we receive it. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we're over here. He, it's not like there was a, um, so much a, a ledger books somewhere that, that, that he wiped clean, that this, this happened apart from us. Okay. When Jesus died on the cross, uh, we joined him. We have to, we have to join him in that. Like he died for our sins, but, but we're not saved. We're not made right apart from him. We're only made right in him, connected to him, joined with him. Um, we have to be in relationship with him. I, uh, I, I thought of the, this example and, Again, any analogy really fails to, to fully uh, describe it. But I was thinking about, you know, if you had a deadly disease and somebody goes and they, they do a bunch of research and testing and they come up with a cure and they, they, they make this pill and they put it in a bottle and they give it to you, like, that doesn't cure you. You have to believe that this pill is going to do something and that's going to be good, that it's not going to kill you, and then you have to take it. Like you have to trust that it's going to be good for you. If you, if you think it's going to hurt you, you're probably not going to take it. But, but it, you have to be like kind of one with the pill. <laughs> it has to go in you in order to do something. In this case, we have to be in Christ. We have to be baptized in Christ for, for there to be any sort of, uh, healing, freeing power, any sort of new life created inside of us. Um, it's in Christ. Um, not separate from us, but together. 
we have no power on our own. So when we're baptized, we're joined with Christ, believing that our sins are buried and leaving behind the old life, and then we arise with Christ. Um, we have no power on our own to give ourselves new life. Like that only comes through Christ. We, we, even if our penalty was paid, like we're left dead without him. When we think about baptism, like he rose to new life. We can't, we can't just raise to new life just because something in a ledger book somewhere says that our sins are paid for. Like Christ, it's the power of Christ in us that raises us. It's the Holy Spirit that he deposits in us. It's joining with him in baptism, joining with him, believing, putting faith in what he did on the cross, um, asking him to, to become a new life in us that we are saved. Um, I think this will become more clear as we, as we move on. Most of you guys know this, but this is, this is a reminder and, and it's, and it's something that we can forget, you know, I, and, and man, I, I'm so tempted to keep going and talk about the things that we're going to get into in the end. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go back to my notes. All right. Romans, <laughs> Romans six, three and four. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ in baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. We now, we, now we also may live new lives. In baptism, we joined him in his death, and in baptism, we join him in new life. Um, I love the way that this is this idea is summarized in Galatians 2.20. If this isn't a verse that you have memorized, um, it is one that, that I encourage you to memorize and, and use in conjunction with the, the verses that we have been working on in Romans, the Romans Road verses. But it says uh, in Galatians 2.20, my old self, hmm, that's a different translation than I have. I'm going to do... Use mine. Uh, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why should we not continue to sin? Why should we, why should we not continue in sin? Because that was the way of our sinful nature. That was our old life. That's been crucified with Christ. We don't live the way we used to. That was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. It's not that old man who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. We've been joined with Christ. I don't longer seek to obey those natural desires. Instead, I live by faith in Jesus. Now, living in faith in Jesus means that we, we're living in trust in him. We're living, a, he's our Lord. We're, we're desiring the things that he desires. We live by faith in Jesus. We live in union, joined with Christ. When we lay our sins at the cross, we are given new life in Christ, not a life that continues in the same patterns that we always have, but it is a new life. We take on the likeness of Christ. Uh, we read a, we've been reading a verse over the last couple weeks about how um, we, we put on Christ like, like new clothes. I, I love that analogy. Like we, we die and we put on Christ. We're now living our life in Christ. Putting to death the old way and living out righteousness 
that by the grace of God remains even when we sin. That is such a beautiful thing because we we will continue to sin, and that's what the whole question is here. Because um, you know, do we continue in sin? How do we how do we look at sin from this point forward? This whole uh, this whole book of Romans has kind of been looking at the stages of sin. You know, we see in the beginning that before the law was given, that there was sin that was defined in nature that we could see. There was there was some aspects of it, of it that we understood that were that were even written on our hearts. Um, but then the law was given, and so now the, the 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 Israelites they knew the law, and sin took on this whole new power, and they had a new way of having to deal with sin and and what that meant to them. And now we as believers, uh, we're, we're we're in like a third stage here. Now we as believers, uh, we're sin is still around, but but we're not under the law anymore. Now we're under grace. Now we are forgiven. Now we now we have a freedom from the power of sin. So so we're going to relate to it in a in a whole new way. So even when we sin, we we're still under grace, and uh, but that doesn't mean that we want to keep on sinning. That's the question: Should we keep on sinning? Romans five or six five through eleven. This is a pretty big chunk here. Uh, Since we have been unified with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that the old sinful self selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. He died one time for all sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God so that you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. You should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin. Like, like we, we can not consider ourselves dead to the power of sin. We, I mean, you can go back to it. You can, you can reject the freedom that you have. You, you still have it, but you can choose to live like you don't. But we, he's encouraging us, consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Consider it, and you could, the other word that's used here sometimes instead of consider is count, count yourselves. It's the same word that, you know, as Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. Um, we, we need to count ourselves. Our, our, our balance is, 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 is covered, you know, our sin is covered. So we can count ourselves dead to sin because of what Jesus did. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Why? Because sin no longer has power over us. We have accepted the good news of Jesus. We've joined with Christ. We've nailed our old desires to the cross, and we were raised to new life. We have new life inside of us that is free from the power of sin. In Christ, we can say no to sin. We've, we're being transformed. We're being renewed. But our mind is being renewed through the washing of the word. 
Um, in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, encouraging us, strengthening in us, guiding us. We're no longer slaves to sin, uh, but we do still have a choice. It's still there. We can still choose it. Uh, verse 8, I don't think you're going to be able to see them all in here, but in verse 8 it said, since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. So we will also live with him. In verse 10, it says that he lives for the glory of God. So that we will live with him. He lives for the glory of God. And then again, it says, later says that we are alive to God through Christ Jesus. So if we're alive in him, with him, through him, and he lives to bring glory to God, then our lives also are to bring glory to God. If we're living in him, if our life is in him, it's to bring glory to God. So how is it possible to think it is okay to continue to live in sin if our purpose is to bring glory to God? Just because God's grace is abundant, just because our sins will no longer be held against us because Jesus died for it, how could we continue in it when our life is now a new life in Christ that seeks to serve and please God? In baptism, we committed ourselves to a union with Christ, leaving the old behind. Our new nature and the spirit that's now alive in us has a desire to give glory to God. We made a commitment, we made a choice to Trust in God. We made a choice to, to make him Lord. And, and because of that, he brought us to new life. But we can still, even being set free from sin, we're no longer under the power of sin, but we can still choose it. We still have old habits. We have uh, ways of thinking that need to be repaired. Uh, our, our minds have been damaged from a life of sin, and it won't completely be healed and restored until we're separate separated from this body and separated from this damaged brain of ours that, that has this mixed up wiring. We can be renewed and restored and sanctified little by little throughout our, our walk with Christ. He begins to, to heal and, and begins to transform us. But, but we're, we're, there's always going to be the ability for us to choose sin. We, our brain is, is still has, there's, there's an underlying uh, program maybe as you might we're, we're, we're trying to override it but it's still there and we're we battle with this until our our sanctification comes to completion when we're joined together with christ in the in the in the end and his, when he returns or when we pass over and go to him and that is why uh sin can be a struggle when we got saved, God did not remove our ability to choose. And we talked about this last week. Like we, God gave us this power of choice and that without it, we can't really show love. Um, God, God asks us to uh, show him love by obeying him. But if we're programmed to obey him, it takes the, it takes the love out of it. We're just, we're not doing it out of love. We're just doing it because that's the way we're wired. If you were, um, when you got married, your wife chose to marry you or your husband chose to marry you. They made a decision and they, they loved you and they, and they showed that with their decision to want to be with you for the rest of their life. Now, if on your wedding day, your wife then was reprogrammed to always do what you want, when you want, like, that may sound nice for a while. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie. That, but, but, but eventually, it's, it's, it's going to feel a little bit empty. It's going to feel empty. It's, they're, they're not, they, they lose the capacity in that to ever do something because they care about you or because they love you. They would just, it's just, uh, it doesn't even feel like a real relationship anymore. They're, they're more of a, a robot or a machine. So uh, God didn't remove our choice at salvation, just like our spouse still has their choice of how, they, how they're going to show love to us or not show love to us in our marriage. Um, we choose when we get married that we're going to continue to love them, that we're going to, even when we're not happy, we're going to choose that we're going to continue to love them. And so just the same way when we chose to be united with Christ, when we joined with him, we continue to choose whether we're going to obey him or not, whether we're going to show love to him or not. The question, should we keep on sinning, lets us know that we have a choice. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to deal with that. As we continue reading, uh, Paul encourages us in regards to this temptation that we have to go back to our old way of living. Uh, we're going to plow through another big section of verses here, uh, Romans 6, 12 through 18. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. I kind of want to pause there. I mean, I, I don't know. Sin, I think, is a strong word, but somehow, you know, seeing it worded like that, that, that when we sin, we're allowing our body to become an instrument of evil. Like, like that is we're obviously not where we want to go. That's not how we want to live. But he says, instead, give yourselves completely to God. Not partially, but give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Because we were raised, joined with Christ. His goal is to bring glory to God. And so in Christ, we seek to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer, sin is no longer your master for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can keep on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you became a slave? You become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You cannot be a slave of sin, which leads to death, or you can... You can be a slave of sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we were given, this teaching we have given to you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. That was a lot, I know. But uh, we can't serve two masters. Right? We can't be a slave to, to sin and a, and a slave to righteousness. They, they're polar opposites. It's like trying to play on both sides of a football team, like on both, on both teams. You know, you can't play against each other. It, they, they, it doesn't work that way. I have three uh, last points. I said, forgive me a little bit if they, if they seem at all repetitive, but uh, the three points are this. One, you're not a slave. Two, you're not dead. 
And three, you are alive. Okay. So last week we talked about the heritage that was the sin heritage that was passed on to us through Adam. And because of that first sin, sin spread to all mankind. And that was the condition that we were at at birth. We were sinners, slaves to sins. No matter what we did, we couldn't rid ourselves of that. We can't rid ourselves of the title of being a sinner. It was true. Uh, you were unholy. You were unrighteous in the sight of God. He saw everything you did, and we were unholy, unrighteous in the sight of God. That was kind of, that whole idea is kind of the crux of the first chapters of, of Romans, is that, that we, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard, and that, uh, that that sin separates us from God. But then going on to chapters 3, 4, and 5, we saw that God made a way for us to be made right in his sight. Um, some people get to this part of the message, and they stop. Okay, so they, they see that, okay, I have a way to be made right in his sight, and somehow they think that this salvation process can happen separate of themselves. That Jesus could have done something, and then they can just receive it without really receiving Christ, without really joining with him. They can just hear the message, and they can just stop at saying, yeah, I believe that, but never really joining with Christ. And so they, they say a prayer, and they leave exactly the same because they didn't really join themselves to Christ. They just believed it to be true. That's not putting your faith and your trust in Christ. That's just accepting reality. Um, you can believe a car is going to hit you if you stand in the middle of the road, but if you don't move, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, that was a bad analogy, but... But I mean, you can uh, you can believe that it's not going to hit you, and it will. But anyways, they you can't just believe that something is true. You have to put your hope in it. You have to put your trust in it, and and you have to. In the case of of salvation, we have to join with Christ. He he is the author and the source of life, and so apart from him, we're still dead. So, anyways, some people will stop at that point. They miss the part that we read uh, in Romans ten nine, where it says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you openly declare that he is Lord, they never declared him as Lord. They never joined with him. They remained a slave to their sinful desires and their, their sinful lifestyle. So now the second point is that we're not dead. I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way up. Second point is we're not dead. We see in baptism that we bury the old nature, which is good because um, dead things tend to not be pleasant to be around. So um, we were dead in our sins. We don't, you know, who keeps dead stuff around? I mean, dead flowers get tossed. Do you have a dead animal in your yard? You don't want it there. Like if something is dead. We want to bury it. We want to get rid of it. In baptism, we bury the old nature. The old nature is dead. But that's not where we stop either. Um, there are some who come to faith and, and they see the Bible and they see religion as a list of do's and don'ts and, uh, and they don't necessarily see the relationship. They kind of go back into the, the legalistic, the law side where, where some of 
the way Paul was kind of referring to the Jews over the last couple chapters, um, that they were, some of them were so hooked on the law. And so they can think, maybe my old man, you know, isn't uh, completely dead, you know, or maybe it's not worthless. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a fixer upper, you know, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe instead of bearing it, maybe I can, maybe I can do some good works and I can kind of hang on to it and I can refurbish it, you know, by doing some good things. And so it seems that they are sitting at the gravesite trying to clean up their corpse, um, unwilling to give up entirely their old life and lay it down and be joined with Jesus into a new life. But, you know, the, you're going to find eventually that's going to be exhausting, like, especially because you can't ever actually get there. The more you try and clean up this old corpse, the more you're going to find out that the stink goes all the way to the core. There's, there's, no, there's no making it new again. There's no life to it again. That's why we bury it in baptism. That's why we, we separate from it. Um, we need to leave that old life behind, not sadly, but gladly. It was the cause of sinful acts that resulted, like when we have sin in our lives, it results in bad choices. Right? We make, we make bad decisions. We end up with broken relationships. We end up with guilt. We end up with shame. And that's on top of the fact that we are separated from God and locked in death. Why would we want it? We know that sin results in nothing good. So we bury it. We don't stick it in a closet so that we can go back to it when we want to. We bury it. The old life resulted in Jesus being nailed to a cross. The penalty of our, of, of the, our sins was that Jesus was nailed to a cross. It exposed how bad it was. It exposed how, how uh, disgusting it was. How, how, like, when you think about the, the punishment for sin and what was paid for it, how could we ever want to go back to that? Should we continue sinning? No. No, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to something that's going to result in something so despicable. I heard somebody uh, say this once, you know, in regards to trying to uh, live holy, to try and try and clean up this corpse with holy living. They said, uh, "You can, you can't earn salvation by being holy, but you are made holy by." Actually, I think. I think I have it written here somewhere. Oh, holy living will not produce salvation, but salvation will produce holy living. Holy living will not produce salvation, but salvation will produce holy living. So we, we can't clean up the corpse enough by, to, to cause it to be alive. But when we're alive in Christ, we'll find that the sin that was attached to, that we found that we were living in, in that old nature, begins to fade away. We begin to not walk in that when we're walking in this new life. And that's the third point, is that we're alive. We're alive in Christ. So baptism, again, painted the picture that we do not stop at the grave, but we arise to new life. When we die to ourselves, we put full hope and trust in Jesus. We are reconnected to the author of life. His spirit comes and lives inside of us and the part of us that died when adam sinned is now alive and longing to serve god we have this living spirit in us that is longing to serve god it is it's tender to the convictions and the leadings of the holy spirit concerning not just 
staying away from sin, but also godly living and the good that we that we should do in the in the worship that we offer to God. It it desires that nearness to God that that's described in the verses that John read this morning about dwelling to be in the house of the Lord forever. Um, when we are alive in Christ, this new nature desires to be in the presence of God. It desires to bring glory to God. When we're made alive in Christ, it doesn't mean that we cannot sin or that we will not sin. It means that we have an alive in us a new nature that does not want to sin. We have a new nature that does not want to sin. It desires nearness to God and desires, as we read earlier, to bring glory to God. When we chose Jesus and made him Lord, we did not receive just a freedom from being a slave to sin, but now we are a slave to righteousness. And I think this is kind of cool. Uh, I don't know that I've heard this before, but but it, it made sense to me as I was reading it. We're a slave to righteousness. He says we're a slave to righteousness. I thought, well, that seems seems strange. But I thought, you know, we talked about God's grace and how we can't, we can't outsin God's grace. Once we are joined with Christ and we're one with him and we have a new life in him, he sees us as righteousness. We are right in God's sight. So we're a slave to it. We can't, we can't not be righteous at this point. Every time we sin, we don't have to look at ourselves as, uh, as condemned or guilty like we may have before. Now we can just think he paid for that one too. He paid for that one too. It's an, another one that I'm not liable for that I did. How do you respond to a love like that? How do you respond to a grace like that? By continuing in sin? I don't think so. We show him our love in obedience to him. He gave us this amazing grace. He gave us this amazing freedom. He gave us this amazing new life. He allows us to be in, in his presence, joined together with him. And, and our response obviously wouldn't be to do what he, you know, you wouldn't do that to a friend, let alone God. If your friend is kind to you and then you, 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 you do all the things that he hates, you wouldn't do that. God loves us and he demonstrated in it, what's the verse says, uh, there's no greater love than this that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus laid down his life. It's the greatest form of love that could be de demonstrated to us. And, uh, and obviously, we don't respond by acting in opposition to, to the desires and his, well, not just the, his desires, but the fact our life is in him. We're living a life in Christ, with Christ. Our new life should have the, the nature of Christ, which is desiring to bring glory to God. So if, we, if there's something in you that is battling that, that is of the old nature. That is the thing that you, that you, you go and say, you're buried. <laughs> I buried you. I, I, I'm not giving you any power. It doesn't, it doesn't have any power, but you can give sin power. You can allow it to have power in your life, but it doesn't have to have power in your life. So we can we have the power in Christ to walk in the Spirit, or we can go and we can start dragging that old man around. You know, how much better living is in this new life with Christ, not having try not having to try and accomplish the impossible of trying to earn salvation, struggling to do good works, but to be able to rest in Christ to be able to walk in his spirit and be able to walk in this newness of life.
if there's anybody here who has stopped at one of these points along the way that I mentioned, where you, you heard the message, but you never really joined with Christ, you never became one with him, you never accepted his life as your new life, um, that option is still there. It wasn't, it wasn't a one-time offer. Um, if you stopped where you're trying to clean up your old corpse and, you, and you're still hanging on to that, that, that old nature, um, look at the penalty of sin. Like, look at the, that corpse is, is, is stained with sin to the core. And, and Jesus says, let it go. Let it go. I have a new life for you. Um, you can't hold on to the old things, the, the old past, the old, sometimes you have to cut, <laughs> cut old friends, but, you, but even you're just your old way of thinking and wanting to uh, please self first, you know, where you're God of your own life, you have to let go of that. There's just, there's only death in that. But in Christ, there's newness of life and there's, there's joy and there's peace and there's freedom from all of those things that result in pain and misery. Sin, the, the, the fruit of sin, it, though it may look nice on the outside, it's, you know, it's rotten fruit on the inside. You know, it leaves you, it leaves you feeling miserable. And so um, choose to leave it aside. Choose it to leave it aside and join with Christ in new life. He wants, to, he wants to live inside you. He wants to put his spirit inside of you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you that brings us uh, not just life in this life, not just freedom from sin in this life, but eternal life in him. Let's sing a song. Let's stand and sing. Let's, let's give thanks. That, you know, um, we, have, we have amazing grace. Uh, you know, when we, I was thinking this morning during the, one of the songs uh, about uh, the widow who came in and offered just a, uh, one shekel or one, one, she didn't have hardly anything. I forget exactly what the, the currency that moment was called, but she, she gave that one little tiny thing, but it was all that she had. And so, um, that offering was acceptable. It was done in humility and it was, it was done in, in full trust in God. And so when we go to God in worship, when we go to God in praise, like what he honors is that, and we read this before, you know, he wants us to give our whole lives, to give our lives completely to him. And so, you know, he may say we don't have much, but he honors the fact that we give it all. We, we give it all. Uh, there, there's times where we make mistakes and we reach back and we try and take back some of what we had. But, but we have this spirit living in us that reminds us that we're sensitive to that says, no, don't, don't stay there. We don't stay living in that sin. We turn again from it. And God's grace covers that sin. And we don't have to beat ourselves up on it. God knows, uh, God knows our nature. He knows what we're dealing with. He knows that, that we have a, a future of perfection in front of us. And he sees us, uh, not in our, not in our sin, but in Christ's righteousness. And so let's celebrate that that Jesus gave us uh, this fullness of life and uh, and give him our all. Dear Lord, I just thank you that uh, that we are free from sin in you. Lord, that sin that left us estranged from you, that left us um, dead and broken, 
that left us hopeless, that has been washed away. And, uh, and, and, and even the sin that, that, that we commit moving forward, Lord, even the mistakes, I don't like to say the word mistakes, <laughs> the, the sin, Lord, that we commit, Lord, you wash away, Lord. And, and it's, it's sin, it's it's despicable to you. It's it's hated by you. It, it it its penalty was death, Lord. But 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 you've covered it. Your grace has covered it, Lord. And we just uh, we thank you, Lord. Help us to go out in rejoicing, Lord. Um, not not uh, mourning over the the past life that we left, Lord, but rejoicing in the newness of life that we received. Um, that there is joy that comes in our relationship with you, that there is peace that comes in our relationship with you, that there is uh, power, that there is life, that there is love that is beyond what could possibly be experienced outside of you, Lord, we have in you, Lord. And we just uh, pray that you would uh, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. Let's rejoice in you always, every day, for the goodness that you've shown us, Lord God, and for the relationship that we have with you. And let us not just know what you did, but know you, to walk with you, to talk with you, to enjoy our relationship with you, Lord. Let us grow in you to grow more and more like you, bringing more and more glory to God. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read two more verses. Uh, it says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do what was right. And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin, and you've become slaves to God. Now do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Go living in the newness of life. Arise in your new life, leaving the dead behind and walking with Christ, walking in the Spirit, walking in freedom. Amen.